Hello and welcome back to our podcast. Today's episode is the 14th instalment of the series and there is, as always, plenty to discuss. The return of football is seeing more and more exciting matches and the most recent round certainly proved that. So we'll be discussing those matches in depth as well as giving our predictions for the next round of Premier League games ahead of our competition to guess the match results. We're also bringing a flavour of our Wednesday podcast into today's show by going through a Liverpool City Best eleven. And of course, with the summer window drawing ever nearer, it's as good a time as any to discuss transfer rumours on our gibberish to done deal scale. Ben, we're just going to kick off by looking at um, the matches from the previous round in the yeah. Premier League. Um, yeah. it's, it's getting better, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. There's, um, the football's getting a lot more exciting and uh, we're seeing... Um, <laughs> I might say something that I'm going to regret here, but we're seeing teams batter a lot of other teams. Um, yeah. You know, the gulf in quality between um, teams at the top and the bottom of the of the table is showing as if it was the normal Premier League season. And, you know, obviously we do like to see upsets here and there, but, you know, you don't mind upsets when there's an exciting football to be played and, and there, was, there was a problem earlier in the restart that, you know, they were upset, but they just weren't exciting games, whereas that seems to be changing now yeah I mean you could say that Sheffield beating Spurs 3-1 is is a bit of an upset despite the fact that um, you know Sheffield are actually higher in league position it just it just sounds like an upset on the face of it doesn't it yeah definitely well um you know Spurs Spurs went into that game at Bramwell Lane going in as favourites and um Sheffield hadn't scored in the Premier League you know so um I, I don't to be honest, I know you're saying because of the league table, it, it sounds stupid to say Sheffield United uh, weren't the favourites, but there haven't been many games this season um, against top half teams where you where you back Sheffield United anyway, and and you know you do kind of include Tottenham in that in that debate as well, um, but they certainly seem to well for the first time anyway because I've I've watched every game that Sheffield have played in and. Um, that game against Tottenham was the set for the, was the first sort of glimmer of, of what they were in the past because they, they really looked off colour since they'd come back. Yeah, they, they certainly have, but it's nice to see them um, sort of finding some form again. Yeah. Uh, I think they're now in seventh place. Do you think they're going to manage to get some European football? I don't know. Um, obviously, they've got that they've got that five point gap between them and Wolves at the moment. Um, it all depends on you know whether they can continue what what they're what they're on a run with. I mean, you know, their games they've got quite a mixed run of games really. Um, Burnley, Wolves, Chelsea, Leicester, Everton, and, and Southampton. You know, there's there's certainly games there to to pick up points in. Um, you know their big test. Their big test are going to be the games against Wolves and Chelsea. Really, I think they could probably yeah. they could probably beat Leicester. Um, Everton at home is a difficult one, but you know there's certainly points to be picked up there. But do you know what? If if Sheffield don't get Europe this season, it's still a fantastic. Uh, they've still had a fantastic season. Um, it will just be a shame because if they don't get Europe, um, their really slow start to the restart will have cost them the points because they they do have quite a gap to make up with only what six games left in the in the um in the table yeah so you know they've got they've got five points to make up in in six games but you know we don't see man united or wolves losing anytime soon so i don't know to be honest yeah i mean on 
one hand, you could say that it's been unfortunate for them having to stop and then start again, having that slow, slow sort of build back into it. Um, but then you look at it on the other hand and say, well, other teams have had to face the exact same thing. It's not like it's just Sheffield that are facing this. Mm. Um, United have had to face it and they've come back strong. Yeah. Chelsea have and they've come back strong um, since, well, since the West Ham match. Yeah. Um, so it, it isn't just Sheffield facing it. So if they didn't get Europe, they would only have themselves to blame for such a slow start. Absolutely. And, the, and you know, I mean... Sheffield probably, well, they will be worrying about the teams that are above them, obviously, because they want to get Europe. But look down the table, they've got Arsenal that are only a point behind them, um, Tottenham that are only two points behind them, Burnley that are only two points behind them, and then Everton that are only three points behind them. So, you know, there's also there's also a bit of a queue forming behind Sheffield United, you know, of clubs that are basically saying, you know, they're picking up, they've picked up some really great results since they've come back. Um almost saying, you know, well, if you aren't going to challenge for Europe, then then we'll give it a go. Just sort of move out the way and, and we'll give it a go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Sheffield were 10th in the table before they managed to beat Spurs. Mm. And uh, I, I remember just looking through the table and seeing Sheffield 10th and I thought, what? That's That can't be right because yeah. they've been 5th or 6th all season. Yeah. Um, and then to suddenly drop so low, and, and it is all because of uh, such a slow start. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see them getting Europe now because there is such a, a large gulf between themselves and Wolves. Even if um, the, the only possibility, perhaps, is if City um, don't get Champions League football because mm-hmm. their appeal is denied, yeah. uh, and then they could get into the Europa League in seventh place, I believe. Yeah. Um, but even then, as you say, that so many teams breathing down their necks now, um, with with um, points or two points behind them up to up to tenth place, it's uh, it's even a possibility that they don't get seventh. Yeah, I mean the big the big test is going to come on um, on Wednesday um, when they play when Sheffield play Wolves. I mean that's going to be the sort of last ditch effort. Um, you know, Wolves really can um, have a go at cementing. Their, their place in Europe next season by beating um, Sheffield at Bramall Lane but Sheffield really do need to win that to still be considered in a in a European place I think because obviously then that five point gap you know um, discounting what happens in the game before but let's let's assume that you know Wolves win and Sheffield win there's there's a five point gap there and, and Sheffield have the opportunity to shrink it to two which then you know with with four games left in the season you know you, you think well a two a two point gap can go either way because it's just one win and a draw it's the difference between a yeah. win and a draw isn't it so yeah definitely um that's one of the games Sheffield Wolves is one of the games that we're gonna uh, predict later on but for now talking of upsets yeah. um that wasn't the biggest upset this no. week no. West Ham uh, scored in the 89th minute to beat Chelsea 3-2. Chelsea were all over them. Um, like In terms of possession, uh, they had over 60%, almost 70%. Um, but an 89th minute uh, winner for West Ham yeah. secured that 3-2 result. Yeah. Um... And that's something, sorry, that's something that, wasn't predicted by a single person, I believe, in our no, competition we've no. got going. I think there were two games. There were there was um, there were three games actually. Nobody predicted um, that Everton 
were going to beat um, Leicester. Nobody predicted that West Ham were going to beat Chelsea. Nobody predicted that Sheffield United were going to beat Spurs. Um, wow. So, uh, so yeah. So there, I mean, there's three big. And you know, and, and that that's with. That's with um, a league of quite a few people, you know, and, and not one single person um, backed it. Um, uh, Joe, West Ham, say what you want about the style of football that West Ham played in that game. It was a very dull, get-the-job-done sort of style of game. Um, you know, you talk, you talk about counter-attacks when you haven't got much possession, but, you know, as you say, the exact stat was that West Ham only had 27% of, percent of the ball. So they only had just over a quarter. Um, the the style of football wasn't great, but they got the job done. And um, I think I think Frank Lampard will have been really really disappointed to to have lost there because talk about a side having such a control, such a stronghold over a game. I can't think of the last time where I've seen a, a team have such a stronghold over a match, literally dictating. You know, like pulling on the puppet strings and everything, they're literally dictating the entire game and they're still losing. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it was a, it, it's a real, um, it was a real blow, I think, for, for Chelsea that. Will it, will it matter? I'm not so sure because of um, Leicester's form isn't great. Um, you know, they're, they're a point off third and only two points away from fifth. I think, I think Lampard will be happy with that, but at the same time, it is three points that were practically in Chelsea's hands that they lost. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, I, was, I got the stats wrong for possession. It's, uh, it was more than I said, actually. It was 73% possession yeah. Chelsea held. They had um, double the shots on target with six, yeah. um, whereas West Ham only had three shots on target. Of course, all of those resulted in goals. Yeah. Uh, and I think you're, you're perfectly uh, spot on in saying that Chelsea did dictate that game, but West Ham uh, did what they came to do, didn't they? Um, they were never really going to win any other way, when you think about it. They can't match the style of play that Chelsea are going to uh, going to implement and they can't match the quality that Chelsea have. Yeah. So what they did is all they could do to get a result like that. Yeah, and the VAR decisions will have probably um, given them some sort of you know, extra aggression and extra anger, frustration. Um, it looked like it was going to be another VAR decision against David Moyes, which, uh, yeah. which um, would have been uh, would have been funny to see if they if they'd have lost. But you know, Pulisic didn't get used enough. I didn't think there, there were key players for Chelsea there that didn't get enough of a game. Um, and West Ham obviously. You know, they had a goal disallowed from VAR. They then had another one, which was, you know, pretty close to a carbon copy, really, of the one that had been um, disallowed. Um, but they got that. And then I think it was Yarmolenko's goal, was it, in the 89th minute? Yeah. Um, it was, yeah. You know, and, and Antonio, who who hadn't had that, that good a game, or game, really, if you think about it. You know, his performance wasn't that great, but... Um, he just stuck at it and, and got a goal and I think it was that sort of culture from that West Ham performance they just stuck at it and stuck at it and stuck at it all game um, and finally got the reward You mentioned Pulisic there not um, not being used enough mm. I mean I, I when watching the game I was sort of losing my nuts because I kept on seeing him run down all these channels and um, you could see him throughout the game 
you see him get more and more frustrated each time because yeah. he would make he would make these runs and stay stay clear um, so that he was on side. Yeah. And then it would be like you wait the, the, the players that were wait that needed to pass to him were waiting so long mm. to pass to him that he was offside mm-hmm. or they weren't passing to him. And it's like when he's making these brilliant runs, like literally cutting the, the other team up. Mm-hmm. Um, and managing to stay on side as well, and you're not passing to him. You can understand his frustration. It's so disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. And and maybe this is uh, maybe this will be, you know, part of the reason why Frank believes that you know although his team is is doing well this season, he does need to bring in reinforcements. You know, I mean, we know how how well Hakim Ziyech can pass. Um, you know, Timo Werner is going to be player involved in a front three you know an attacking front three like a like a um like a liverpool front three i actually anticipate chelsea's front three next season not really having a top scorer like liverpool's doesn't you know the 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 three of them are all goal scorers um i think pulisic will score as many as as timo Werner. i anticipate that to be the case rather than you know Pulisic to play in a supporting role and maybe get five goals a season and Werner to go and score 30. I, I think that's slightly unrealistic. I think it's more likely going to be what it's going to, what's going to happen at, at Liverpool. But, you know, we've seen in the Liverpool team when one of those um, star players in that front three is isolated or on, the, on their own, they don't play as well. Um, so maybe that's all that Pulisic needs. But yeah, it, it's wrong to to pull on one game and, and make an assumption like that based on one game. But yeah, he certainly was not being well, used in the right way. If if any, you expect it to be Ziyech that's playing that supporting role. Yeah. Um, I believe so. I reckon you know Pulisic is going to get some get quite a few goals next season. He's already got I believe seven now since he came to the Premier League, and um, that's. Uh, actually quite impressive considering his start wasn't great and he hasn't been getting that much game time but now there seems to be this realization he is the um you know he is the hazard replacement at the end of the day yeah um and that's what's upsetting because if hazard was making those runs the ball would be right at his feet no no questions asked so i don't know if there's a, a lack of faith that faith there or something but um I hope that he can, for, for Chelsea's sake, um, and I quite like him as, as a person as well, he always speaks well, yeah. um, so I hope that he can um, go and do the same as Hazard has done for Chelsea. Yeah, absolutely. They've got, I mean, the games that they've got remaining as well, um, you know, there's no real challenges. Um, the only two that you could potentially argue are, are, the, um, are the Liverpool and United away games, but you know, the, the, there's no reason why Chelsea can't win or certainly can't put up a fight in, in any of the games that they've got left. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just the start of something, really. I mean, obviously, the, the Man United game is in the FA Cup, um, but that that comes right before the Liverpool game in the Premier League. So, it, you know, it does sort of still have a knock-on effect. But, you know, they're still in the FA Cup as well. And, um, you know, if they can... I, I think that... Chelsea are probably better equipped. I don't know. Are Chelsea better equipped to beat City in the final than Manchester United? I'm not sure. But you know, if if 
Frank can come out at the end of this season having won an FA Cup um, and kept the Europe place by being in the top four then. I mean, what a season. Even if some of your players aren't firing on all cylinders, even if you've had disappointing results. You know, the guys had a transfer ban. I know I keep saying it for the first half of the season. Um, it, it, it's been a fantastic season for Chelsea if they can lift some silverware at the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's certainly worked out way better than anyone was expecting with the, with the team that Frank inherited, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, another exciting match was the Newcastle-Bournemouth match, actually. Um, Newcastle managed to run away with that 4-1. Yeah. Same Maximan after, I believe you said he, he didn't think he had the best game in the FA Cup. No. Um, but he came back strong with three goal involvement, um, three of the four yeah. uh, goals he assisted. Uh, I think he's only the third Newcastle player to do that. Yeah. So, uh, quite an accolade, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He is the starlet in that um, in that Newcastle team. But what we are seeing now is, is more consistent. Um, talent on on show for Newcastle. You know, players aren't just having the one-off good game. It's um, Almiron's really starting to come into his own. Obviously, we saw Sean Longstaff score um, and Dwight Gale. I mean, my my uh, my, you know, he's a Dwight Gale is a great guy. Um, it, just slightly inconsistent as we saw with the City game, but also yeah. hasn't hasn't had a run in in the Newcastle team for it for a long time so you can you can kind of understand um, and you can understand why he still gets his place in that Newcastle team for me um, but yeah I mean you know Newcastle did exactly what you'd expect the top team to do when going to the vitality Bournemouth are I think the worst team in the league at the moment to be honest I think they're putting up less of a fight you know even though that not in terms of points in the table um, but they are putting they seem to be putting up less of a fight than Norwich are to be honest um, I think they are the worst playing team in the league at the moment. So when a good team goes there, you just expect them to batter them, and that's exactly what Newcastle did. So you, you can't really uh, you can't really fault something like that. And and it was a weird um, formation that Bruce was playing as well in that match. I think he was playing um, Sean Longstaff as like a like a sort of centre forward cam yeah. uh, sort of role, and then Jolinson on the left and Almiron on the right. Yeah. Um. And I thought when when I heard it, I, I thought that is so odd. Um. Yeah. But then having said Maximan in midfield, but still making the runs, and then Jolinson not being your main striker seemed to work, didn't it? Well, clearly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Steve Bruce is in a position where in a game like that he can he can try stuff. Um. As I say, I do believe that's you know Bournemouth are the easiest team to play at the moment. Um. And yeah, you can try stuff. You can mix stuff around. You know, you can as long as you're not stupid, or as long as you don't, you know, let the other team have crucial moments and situations like Chelsea did with West Ham. You know, you can you can pretty much guarantee a win whatever you do. And and it was good to see. Um, obviously, as you say, Sam Maxima, you know, being involved in so many goals, but also um having goal involvements from um, Sean Longstaff, Almiron had a great goal, um, and Isaac Hayden bled but blasted one over the bar, but he could have had he could have had one as well and that could have been could have been five one. But, you know, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good foundations in that Newcastle team. Um 
I just don't I just don't know what it will look like. You know, if the takeover does happen, what it's going to look like at the start of next season. I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, this is uh, something I wanted to come on to. Um, do you think Steve Bruce is going to stay with the takeover? Because I, I almost changed my mind about him in that game. I was I was one that said this. Look, he can't. He doesn't need to spend the money. If, they, if there's a big takeover, you need a manager in like box. Yeah. Um, but you know, he hasn't done bad for Newcastle considering where they were sitting. And I know there'll be that argument that actually. He has been able to spend a bit of money, but then he did only bring players in that Rafa wanted to bring in. Mm. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I think that he, he sort of deserves an opportunity with what he's done with this Newcastle team. They've gone from being, you know, looking at some points like they could be relegated again to now um, he's thinking about top half of the table. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I hold the unpopular opinion, I think. Um, but it, it is all circumstantial. Steve Bruce has done really well this season. Obviously, I think he's only three points off Rafa's um, league table finish from last season, with obviously six games remaining. So you know, with with the games they've got left, um, they've got West Ham at home, City away, Watford away, Tottenham at home, Brighton away, and Liverpool at home. You know, there are some really difficult games in there, but you would expect them to beat Rafa's record with the way that they're playing. Um, it just depends, you know, Newcastle have had a fantastic season this season because they were predicted to go down at the start of the season. You know, Steve Bruce was brought in to make sure don't get relegated, stay in the Premier League. And they finished, where is it, where are they at the moment, the 13th? Yeah, they, they could get top 10 at yeah. the end of the league. If, if Newcastle's target was to get mid-table, that's a poor season for for Newcastle really it's certainly a bang average season um, it just depends if these, if these new owners come in and they get the checkbook out and they you know they flash all this sort of money in front of Steve Bruce they aren't going to say to Steve Bruce avoid relegation I'd, I'd be surprised if they said mid-table finish if they're going to if they're going to give the next manager of Newcastle 200-250 million to spend they're going to be wanting quick results and for that, you're going to need players in, you know, you're going to need to be snapping up deals for quality players and getting a lot of quality players in all over the pitch. And, you know, I know you were saying that he only signed um, players that Rafa wanted to, but both Rafa and Steve Bruce's transfer ability, in my opinion, is questionable. Um it's so difficult because I do want to, I would want to give Steve Bruce a chance. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's done. He's done really well this season, but that's because he's done so much more than what he was expect what he was expected to do. If the new owners turn around and say, right, we want you to get eighth or be pushing for Europa League, I don't know. You know, some of the transfers that have been made. Um, certainly the Bingman transfer Joe Linton has been questionable but you know Almiron and and, um, and St Maximan seem like they've been good signings the lone guys that they've got in since then seem to be okay it's it, it, it is a risk though I do think I, I'm sorry I know I'm going on about this but I do think giving Steve Bruce all that money and saying turning around to him and saying right we need you to be 7th or 8th you know narrowly missing out on on Europe, I just don't yeah. know. It is a risk. Yeah, of course it's a risk, given 
a manager like that that much money and asking him to uh, get get a European spot in the Premier League. Yeah. However, you you think he's deserved that respect to um, at least let him stay on until sort of January time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know that the, you know ultimately Newcastle fans have have gone so long without a league title, without a cup. That you know, I think that you know they're probably going to feel this is a guy Steve Bruce that you know didn't come in with the greatest reception because obviously he'd managed Sunderland and potentially Middlesbrough. I'm not sure, um, you know, but he'd 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 managed the the local rivals, yeah, um, and you know he's managed to turn all that negative energy into into what's been a really positive season because they are miles away from being relegated, obviously, um. So yeah, he certainly he certainly deserved the chance. Do you know? I mean, there's no. You could give him till January and see what he can do. Um, and as long as he doesn't put the club into a, into any danger of, of going down, which I'm sure he won't, but um, and reevaluate it, then that'd probably be the the good thing to do. Um, it's just whether uh, the new owners can understand that. You know, it's it's the we all as English football fans we all understand. You know that. Steve Bruce probably deserves a chance because of what he's done. I mean, they're one of the best teams to come back from the restart, aren't they? You know, so yeah. um, he, he certainly deserves the chance, but it's whether the whether the owners, um, you know, the, the great powers that be will will understand that as well. Yeah. Well, only uh, only time will tell. Uh, it's all it all seems to be up in the air in the minute. I don't even know what's happening with the with the takeover because it was almost like it's happened and then. Um, we've heard nothing of it, so no. hopefully, hopefully we'll get some more news on that soon. I'm just going to breeze past a couple matches because we've got two big ones to talk about. We've got Burnley beat Palace one yeah. nil. Um, you know that could have gone either way that match really. So, uh, so something like a one nil result is what you'd expect. Yeah. Then you have Arsenal beat Norwich. I think it was four yeah. nil. Uh, that that'd be really good for Arsenal, even though they were only only playing the bottom side in the league yeah. uh, it'll be a big boost for them after having such a poor start um, since the since the return of the Premier League yeah. United beat Brighton 3-0 uh, once again what you'd expect really people were people were expecting like a 3-0 4-0 thrashing from United uh, and they, they went out and did it with, with all the quality they have right now and one, one, alongside Newcastle one of the teams to come back strongest since the restart but the main two to talk about are Everton beat Leicester Mm -hmm. 2-1 now last week I said I think Leicester will get top four but you know that the Angelotti effect on Everton and the result of that match has sort of made me think again Uh, so I looked into it and Leicester haven't won on the road I don't think this year no um, and Jamie, the league's top scorer, Jamie Vardy, has only scored in one of his last 13 games, and that was one goal, it was a penalty. <laughs> They've gone cold, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, uh, I did, I've just looked into it. Their, their last um, away win was New Year's Day. They, they won at St James's Park 3 0. I actually remember the game. Um, but yeah, they, they've, they've gone very cold, and I, I do think that um, they. They just look. They just don't look as creative. I was going to use the word lethargic there, but I do think that that's probably not giving them enough credit. But there's certainly something something missing there. Um, and you know, with the way that they've come back and played, 
Um, they've got Palace at home, Arsenal away, Bournemouth away, she- Sheffield at home, Tottenham away, and Man United at home. At the moment, you know, they might, they need, they need to beat Crystal Palace definitely. But I certainly wouldn't um, put my house on it, you know, to them to beat Crystal Palace just because of the way that they play. The only game that I can look at there and think, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna win surely is Bournemouth away, just because anybody I think can can win at the Vitality at the moment. But yeah, it, it's um, you know you compare that that sort of evaluation of of the running um, to the evaluation that I gave for Chelsea, and you're like saying, well, these games are all pretty easy apart from playing like the league champions. Um, yeah. And and United, United have got a relatively easy run, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah, and obviously that you know they play Leicester and United play each other on the last game of the season. There's there's a possibility that that could be the difference between um, Champions League and, and Europa League for both teams. But at the same time, there's also more of an opportunity for Leicester to completely drop off over the next few games. I mean, Arsenal Arsenal um, away is going to be a fantastic game, I think, you know, because Arsenal can really, um, you know, they're a team that, that can sort of surpass Sheffield United and start looking towards Man United and Leicester to try and get a Europe place. And um, if Arteta can do the can do the business there then I think it's probably um close to game over for Brendan Rodgers to be honest and and Leicester obviously yeah I'm uh it's quite concerning for Leicester now uh had such a rubbish actually it's not even since as I say Jamie Vardy scoring once in his last 13 games it's not actually since the restart they've been poor they've been pretty poor uh this year actually um which is which is a shame to see but they've still managed to hold their uh, third place spot. Yeah. And and you just have to think now, can they hold on to it for the next six games, or hold on to fourth place uh, and and just get Europe? Yeah, they need to get Europe to keep their players. You know that that's the if if Rogers wants to build on something next season, there's a lot of players there that will they will have a very easy decision, um, i.e. to leave Leicester if Leicester don't get Europe this season because there will be clubs all over Europe that will snap up the likes, that, well, certainly will be interested in the likes of Chilwell, um, Madison, you know, Soyuncu. Um, Indeed. Yeah. And, and the, he's the one I'd be scared about losing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even even going back to the likes of Kasper Schmeichel, you know, I mean, he, he, he's he been a, a good, you know... I don't know the best word to describe it. Somewhere between good and great goalkeeper in the Premier League. Not obviously getting any younger. Um, if a club that is playing in Europe uh, after a new keeper, as you often get, um, you know he might be off as well. You know because he's not he's not a player that's been blessed with an awful lot of European football. But you look at how much European football his dad had, and he probably fancies a slice of it. To be honest, um, as I say, he's not getting any younger. Um, so, yeah, it, it's massive. It's not just the case of getting into Europe so that you've got exciting European football next season. If Rodgers and Leicester fans want to have something next season that they can build on in terms of the team and, you know, OK, yeah, lose a couple of players, that's inevitable, but no no great damage. They, they need Europe, possibly more than anybody else, because we've seen, we've seen Chelsea are on the rebuild anyway. Man United have got, you know, that powerhouse in midfield. They're going to be fine next season. Um you know, Leicester, it really is a sort of um, it, it's almost like a like a death wish if they don't if they don't get Europe, I think their team will crumble 
they, it really will next season if they don't get Europe. Yeah, it'll be almost similar to uh, you know when they won the league one year and the next year completely dropped off. It, mm. it will be a similar story. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What about Everton? Do you think next season they're going to be a force to be reckoned with? They can be. You know, they're, they're very capable. I mean, Ancelotti is definitely the right man to do it. And I think that is that is um, a place that, you know, Everton fans have been wishing and hoping to be in for so long. They've been hoping to say that there's a manager that's the right man. You know, they, they put their trust in, in Koeman, they put it in Silva. And both of them, when they arrived, were going to be great, but they didn't have great. They didn't have the pedigree, you know, and and it was it was a um it was a worry. But when um when Ancelotti comes in, you know, the, the football that they're playing. I mean, um, a mate from home is an Everton fan, and he just says the football. He says he do, he's not actually that bothered at the moment because they're not going up and they're not going down. He's not bothered about winning or losing games at the moment. It's it's the style of football that they play. He would rather lose a game but play exciting football than win the Allardyce way um, which I can sort of understand because you know the the, the sort of knock-on effect of playing attractive fo- uh, sorry excuse me of playing attractive football is um is winning games you know and winning games consistently um so yeah I think Everton have got the possibility they've got the potential to be to be a top side next season um but you know how many how many teams can we say are going to be a top side next season? It, it's the advantage over that they need to have over sort of six or seven other teams to um, to be considered a top class side next season. Yeah, I mean, um, as you say, the, the knock on effect of attractive football is wins, and and whilst Everton have got this time where they don't necessarily they don't need to win. It doesn't matter if they lose. Um, they can just prep for next season now and sort of get into that side of football. Yeah. So that viewpoint makes a lot of sense to me. But as you say, uh, how many teams can be top sides <laughs> next season? Because this year, you know, we've gone, well, in fact, the past two years we've gone, who's going to win? Well, it's going to be City or Liverpool. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying Everton are going to win or Newcastle are going to win or, or Wolves, but what, what I am saying is now, United have all of a sudden got a powerhouse in midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, Newcastle are going to have that takeover. Everton are doing a lot better. Wolves have been on the on the up for a couple of years now. Yeah. Sheffield are knocking around there, and Chelsea is going to be an unbelievable team next season. I mean, you just the top six next year could be completely shaken up. Yeah, absolutely. Or shook up. Yeah, I mean Everton, you know, they're, they're what they're, they're three points off seventh at the moment, right? I mean, listen to this for a running. They've got Tottenham away, Southampton at home, Wolves away, Villa at home, Sheffield away, Bournemouth at home. There are some really clear-cut, straightforward matches there for Everton yeah. to win. And there's, there's, you know, there's the Wolves away, there's the Sheffield away, and the Tottenham away, where you know I can see them picking up. If they on a good day, you know those are the three difficult games. On three good days, that's a win and two draws, or two wins and a draw. You know they 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 really can um, do some damage this season. I know we're talking about next season, but they're they're three points off seventh. You know that that they're, they're not to be discounted, and with a run like that, I think it it, it it's quite promising. Look, I mean, if you if you think about it, um, the the way Everton have been playing. If they play well, there's not one of those matches they would lose. Mm. I don't think. Mm. 
so so you never know. Maybe they could, uh, you know, could get a big boost and have a good finish to the season. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I hate to use the expression because it's such a cliche, but on Monday there's the real six-point game of, of, of playing at Tottenham. You know, I think there's only two points um, split in... No, there's actually only one point split in the, the two teams, but two places split in them. And if Everton can do the job and there or even just get a draw and, and, and stop Tottenham from gaining three points over them, it's, it's fantastic, but you also um, would never rule that out. You know that that's that's quite a quite a possibility because you don't know how how Tottenham are going to play at the moment. They're sort of up and down a little bit with the restart. You're not really sure what sort of result they're going to get. Um, and Everton are going to be brimming with pride after the after the two one win in midweek. Yeah, yeah, as they should be. Uh, the last game we're going to talk about is not one I think either of us particularly do want to talk about. Um, Liverpool walked out to receive a guard of honour from mm. City mm. Uh, and then they faced an absolute battering. Yeah. Uh, City did, of course, beat Liverpool 4 0. Uh, Goodman 5, there was a goal ruled out. Yeah. Uh, it, it was very dis- I know you were, I think I could actually use the word angry about this result. Yeah, absolutely. It was It was absolutely disgraceful the way that those Liverpool players played. Um, you know, I understand you've won the league and you might be a bit hungover, but I mean, what what a time, what a time to prove that you're the champions. You know, that that Liverpool team, the way that they played, will probably beat Aston Villa um, whenever they whenever they play. I can't remember the exact date. Um, you know, it might be a one nil win, um, but that Liverpool team in the state that they that they were because it was a state that they were in on Thursday night, would probably beat Aston Villa. I don't actually think City played exceptionally well. They played exactly how I expected them to play. And, you know, you look at the goals. A poor, um, a clumsy foul from, from Joe Gomez gives away the penalty. Uh, second goal, I think, was was that Foden? Which, which goals was Foden? Uh, uh, was that not the third? Yeah, it might have been the third. I can't remember which one was the second one, just because I've tried to blot it, you know, block it from memory. You tried to, yeah, get it out of your memory. Um, uh, I'm struggling to think now. Let me find. I know Foden was the third. It was. Uh, uh, it was Sterling. Sterling. It yeah, was Sterling. sorry, it was the boy in the penalty and then Sterling. You know, yeah, Foden passed it to Sterling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Sterling's was an okay goal. You know. You get them in games. Um, Phil Foden, you know, was in acres of space. Nobody was picking him up. As soon as he got that ball, I knew he was scoring goals. That's a, that is that is a mistake that you know a lower league team plays. Nobody at the top end of the table makes that mistake when they haven't got their their head completely in the game. You know, I just thought the desire wasn't there. You know, Klopp said Klopp said at the end of the game something I disagree with. He said, you know, we had good situations, we had good moments. It could have been. A 5-3, we just didn't take our chances. Liverpool did not look bothered in the slightest about winning that game. And, you know, I do think it, it it does sour it a little bit because if it was against a Man United or Leicester or a Tottenham or an Everton, or for, for that matter, any of the other 18 teams in the league, if they'd have been beaten 4-0, OK, yeah, it's not a team as good as City, but you just move on from it. But it was the fact that it was City, they'd just given us a guard of honour. And, you know, there are our long-standing rivals. 
and they're going to have that game, you know, Guardiola and people saying that City's season starts on started on Thursday, their next season started on Thursday because, you know, their preparations begin again. Um, I think that's that, you know, they're going to be brimming with such confidence. Um, and I know you were saying, you know, that there's, there's, they um, should have, well, it, 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 they've won the league, you know, the effort wouldn't have been there if they'd have had something to fight for. I get that. Um, but I do still believe that there's a difference between that and going out and let's be honest, um, because I think that Mara's goals should have stood. I mean, you know, it's a whole other conversation for for another podcast. But the handball rule in in the game now is just getting absolutely yeah, we'll, stupid. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to come back to VAR and the handball. Rule. Yeah. Yeah, um, in, in one podcast, I'm yeah. sure we will. Yeah, and Joe, it's a stupid rule, and um, it's been certainly since the restart. I don't know about you, but maybe I've just been more attuned to it. But um, yeah, so, it's got worse. Oh man, it, it's absolutely. But anyway, let's all go down that route. But yeah, we could go for hours on that. That that goal should have stood. The Mares goal and the fifth goal. And again, you know, we saw Alisson being beaten at the near post, which I couldn't tell you the last time that happened because it just doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool got embarrassed on Thursday night, and um, I just hope that they that they go out and make a statement against uh, against Villa. I think I think it, is it tomorrow? It must be tomorrow's game. I think I might have got that completely uh, wrong. <laughs> uh, should we have a look? It's tomorrow. Yeah, Pre- half four. Prepared as always. Yeah, I thought I thought it was. It's tomorrow at half four. Um, they've got to go out and make a statement tomorrow, definitely. You know that that's got to be a three or four nil. That's got to be we're not sitting off because we were talking about it on whether it was the midweek special that we did or last weekend's podcast that you know they they can go after the the most amount of points in the league this season. I'm not saying Liverpool would have won at the Etihad on Thursday. I'm really not. Um, but I didn't think a draw was out of the reach of of that Liverpool team. I certainly didn't think a win was to be honest, but. Yeah, rant over. Very poor performance. Look, it certainly wasn't the best we've seen from Liverpool this season, that's for sure. Um, there's that argument to be made that uh, they've won the league, they've been celebrating, they've got nothing to play for, nothing to prove, but then you could say, actually, you know what, you do have something to prove. You're mm-hmm. going playing out there, you're playing against the previous champions, you're the new champions, mm-hmm. and everyone knows that it's, it's always going to be a two-horse race for the next couple seasons, mm. as it has been for the last few. Um, so go out and make make a statement, because that's that's what needs to be done against that City side, because these two are um, these two are exactly the same quality. So to go out and lose 4-0, in fact, I say they're exactly the same quality. City have a weaker defence than Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, just just a real disappointment. They weren't even playing Aguero. No, um, no I, I'm, I'm upset by it. But, as I said on the night, if this had happened earlier on the season, say this was the third game of the season, we wouldn't even be talking about it now. Mm. It, it wouldn't be a discussion point at all. Mm. We would just be saying, well, Liverpool won in the end. Like, So, it, it's poor timing, and it was a poor performance, but... There's not much that can be done now except Liverpool go and win yeah. five of their next six and beat that Centurions record. Yeah, I mean, what I would say for people that didn't watch the game, you know, when you look at that result, 4-0, nobody, nobody predicts that. 
Um, it looks quite an arrogant result. If you don't, if you know, it, it looks like, oh, well, we've won the league, we'll sit off now and party for the remaining games. You know, I, I made the case on Thursday night, there's six games left to play. I understand partying on, on the night of the, of, of, of the title win on Thursday. I get that. But there's also a job to be done. You know, I know they've won the league. I get that. And the big job has been done. But they've still got to play out the remaining games of the season. And, you know, nobody... I mean, I, I, I do believe, as I say, I do anticipate that they will sort of take that as a wake-up call and, and probably, you know, go and win their remaining six games that they've got. But it, it it's an... I'm not, and I'm not saying it was complacency that was the problem, but it may well have been, but it was just that the desire wasn't there. Um, and to anybody that wasn't watching the game, that looks like quite an arrogant sort of... Liverpool team think how oh, well we've won it you know stuff the next six games we've won the league it doesn't matter um whereas you know the team should be taking advantage of trying new things and and, and preparing for next season you know Man City are saying that they're, they're this season as far as they're concerned is over they've still got the FA Cup to think about you know Liverpool have got practically six free games to try whatever they want you know rotate the team and and um try some new sort of routines out and situations and you know have players playing in different positions you know talking about Minamino where on earth is he playing on the pitch and there's all sorts of players like that but they just need to use use their opportunities well and I'm sure they will after that after that 4-0 battering that they had in midweek well uh, hopefully we'll see that and uh, they can come back next season even stronger and that does bring us on quite nicely to our City Liverpool one to eleven. I'm quite conscious of time now. We've managed to spend a lot of time talking about these <laughs> matches, um, so we'll go. I reckon we'll both be able to go through this quite quickly. Yeah. Um, why don't you go through your defence first? Um, it's got to be Allison in goal um, for for obvious reasons. I I do think he, to be honest, if I'm being brutally honest, he's head and shoulders above Edison on his day. Um, I do think he's he's um, yeah absolutely head and shoulders um, one of the yeah. best goalkeepers. So yeah, he goes in goal. Um, <laughs> I've got to be careful here not to just name the whole Liverpool team. Um, Alexander Arnold at, at right back. Um, yeah, Robertson at left back. Nobody nobody in that City team is is proving me wrong on that. I think nobody's bang average um, and. Yeah, Carl Walker and Cancelo, not not seeing enough there to be honest. Um, then Van Dijk, um, and it's it's Gomez or Laporte. You know that's so that's the that's the difficult call to be made. Um, you can put you can put either in, can't you? Really, they're yeah. both both yeah. good options to get in there. I'm gonna stick Laporte in only because I think that Gomez is only what he is because of Van Dijk. That's not taking anything away from him. But when Laporte is fit and playing, you know, his best, he he is the the Van Dijk to that City side. He is the 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 big, well not the not necessarily big, but the the main centre back that provides a lot of the um, yeah. defensive ability for City. So that'd be my back five. Well, this is interesting because mine is exactly the same. Yeah. So, uh, and for exactly the same reasons as well, um, I would say Alisson is clearly one of the best goalkeepers in the world right now. Yeah. Um, Robertson and Trent, there's no arguing that they're they're the best fullback part 
partnership in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, and then Van Dijk, second Ballon d'Or, just massive difference to that Liverpool team, class player. And then Laporte, because he is City's number one defender and on his day, he is he's one of the best. So yeah. that's, uh, that's why I've gone exactly the same. What yeah, about your absolutely. midfield? Um, Henderson's the only Liverpool player I've got in there, um, which is probably no surprise. Uh, got him playing CDM. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne um, in there as well. And then uh, David Silva, but as he's retiring this season. Even if you take David Silva out of the mix, I'd still probably have Phil Foden in there. Um, it's my next choice, to be honest. Um, because although he's he hasn't had much of a run in the first team, from what I've seen, he is going to be um, one of the best midfielders in the league next season. Um and I still think he gets in above any other Liverpool player, to be honest. Um, even even Fab, you know, Fab would be Fab would probably be on the list after Foden. Um, but yeah, that'd be my midfield three. Okay, slightly different. I've gone for Henderson and Kevin De Bruyne, and then funnily enough, I've gone for Fabinho. Uh, I think he is the best CDM in the Premier League. Uh, absolute world class, coming to his own since. Uh, making that move to Liverpool, Klopp has transformed him into a new quality of player. Uh, something that we talked about on Wednesday's show that that that's something Klopp's able to do, and he's certainly done it with Fabinho. Yeah. Uh, and in my opinion, I think he is one of the best midfielders in the league. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, Sil- David Silva um beats that for me obviously yeah he's he's leaving at the end of the season um i don't know yeah fabinho fabinho plays well in, in so many games i think it's possibly just you know attackers um sticking out more than defenders really you know that's that's why the achievements of foden sort of stand out to me as well yeah it does tend to be that but um you know um fabinho's been a massive asset to this liverpool team in terms of um, playmaking as well as defensively so I thought thought I'd get him in there also David Silva's sort of as you say not not starting as much now I'm going to be retiring next year so I didn't want to get him in there because uh, you know he's not he's not a starting 11 player anymore which is quite sad to yeah. think yeah definitely and finally your front three are uh, Salah Mane and uh, Sergio Aguero Um it's obviously a different setup to how Liverpool play it. You know, Liverpool play Firmino with this false nine, but you know, Mane is 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 much better than Sterling. Um, Salah is is Salah. You know, you can't really yeah. say much else than that. And um, you know, you know how much I like Sergio Aguero, so um, he just had to go in there. Wanna hear mine? Probably, is it exactly the same? Well, I'd say. Mane is a lot better than Sterling. Salah is Salah, and you know how much I like Aguero. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that'll be my front three as well. Yeah. Uh, not too much. Well, barely any difference there. Only one player. I think if you ask most people, they would come up with either one of the teams that we just gave. Yeah. Um, so much quality in both teams, um, but, but not many option. Not many options to have like standout players. I suppose if there's anything, you would say. Whose midfield would you rather have, City's or Liverpool's? And you'd rather have City's midfield, even mm. though I've got more Liverpool players in there. Mm. Um, but yeah. everywhere else on the pitch, it's more it's sort of Liverpool dominant, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, C- City's attacking force is, is 
certainly very close to Liverpool's I think um some days it, it's better than Liverpool's and some days it's some days it's worse defense is very clear cut you know Liverpool's defense is is in another league to, to cities um including the goalkeeper I think um and then the midfield is is a toss up again on the on the right game um on certain games you'd want Liverpool's and on and on others and you know the vast majority of games you probably would want cities to be honest um, we're going to look now at the next round of matches. Just quickly, we're going to predict the results for the matches. There are quite a few here to go through. But yeah. It's like a, a little preview we're going to do before you have to get your predictions in for our competition. Um, currently, you and I, I think we're sat third. Yeah, joint uh, third. Joint, joint third. We're, we're quite close to the top, so we haven't shown ourselves up yet. <laughs> um, but... You know, there's still plenty of time to do that. And yeah. we'll start now with Burnley-Sheffield. I've said uh, 1-0 Sheffield for this one. I anticipate it to be, you know, as... Not scrappy, but as probably as tight and as potentially as dull as the Burnley-Palace game, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I've got to say that, that Sheffield will sneak it, really. Um, especially after what they did at, at the week, uh, in midweek, I think, last weekend. Whenever the last game was. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll say two 0 Sheffield. Um, okay. Since they've since they've been able to get that result against Tottenham, I think I'll be a bit more optimistic and say they can beat Burnley uh, by uh, one more goal than you said. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle West Ham. Um, I've said one nil for this one to Newcastle. I think um, West Ham will probably do exactly the same as what they did against Chelsea. They're going to be wary of how well. Um, Newcastle have come back and they like to go forward so I think West Ham will sit back not enjoy and the line share of possession and, and just see what they can do but I still don't think they'll score so I've gone for 1-0 Newcastle I do see West Ham scoring uh, just after how they were able to uh, you know get that result against Chelsea I think if they get an opportunity on the break they will score against Newcastle but ultimately should be a Newcastle win, so uh, 2-1. OK. The next one is Liverpool at Aston Villa. We were talking about how Liverpool need to make a statement here, and I think they will. I'm going to predict first here, and I'll go for 3-0 Liverpool. Yeah, that's what I've gone for. I would have said 4-0. Um, I just think that, you know, with the... I just anticipate... Not, not the drop-off. Saying drop-off makes it sound like they're just going to be in for this for the rest of the season, but... Um, I'm not. I'm not sure Liverpool will put four past Aston Villa, but I can certainly see them putting three past them. Yeah, uh, another match that should be a bit of battering is Man City against Southampton. Uh, I think. Go on. I've said th- I've said three one for this um, because I think uh, Danny Ings is in the form of his life and certainly one to uh, one to consider for our fantasy team next next season. Um, so I think Southampton will probably score. Uh, so I've gone for three one. Yeah, Danny Ings chasing that. At uh, Golden Boot, so I'll go four one. Okay. Uh, Spurs Everton. Uh, I've gone for one all for this one. Predicted a, a a close affair. Um, I couldn't I couldn't um honestly like hand on heart back Spurs and I couldn't hand on heart back Everton. So I I just had to predict a draw to be honest. Yeah, I'll I'll go with the same. I think uh, neither of those teams look like they they should easily be winning that match and. 
I think Ancelotti, you know, Ancelotti and Mourinho both want to play quite conservative football against each other. So I think that'll end up in a one-all draw. Yeah. Watford Norwich. We've gone for nil-nil and the most boring game that we've seen yet since the since the comeback. <laughs> I don't think either team are in much of a position to score any goals. Um, obviously Watford have had a quiet comeback goals-wise. Norwich as well. So. I couldn't predict anything other than nil-nil. I genuinely don't believe there'll be a single goal in the game. Okay, I'll go one-nil Norwich. Okay. Uh, I think if if either team is going to score, I think it will be Norwich. So uh, um, I'll go with them. I do think it's going to be a boring game. Yeah, definitely. We can certainly agree on that. Yeah, I think everyone could. Yeah. Palace Chelsea. I'll go for a two-two-one. Chelsea win. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I've gone for. Um, I think Palace probably will score at home. Chelsea potentially not firing on all cylinders, but will do enough to get the job done. Arsenal Leicester. I've gone for one all in this one again, uh, simply because hand on heart I couldn't do, I couldn't back either team really. Neither team firing on all cylinders. Obviously Arsenal have come back off their four nil win. I get that, but um, you know Leicester haven't conceded that many since they've come back I don't think um, so no, they haven't you know I, th- I think both teams again it's like Spurs Everton you know they're going to be they're going to want to go for the win but aren't going to want to be too risky because they neither of them can afford the loss you know I mean obviously no team really wants to lose but neither of those two can really afford the loss because it, it puts a sort of twists the knife in in both teams hopes for Europe really I'll go for. Oh, I just don't back Leicester that much. I'll say one 0 Arsenal. Okay. Um, West Ham Burnley, another uh, boring one. Yeah, I think so, but I do predict goals in this one. I've gone for I've gone for two one in this one. Um, West Ham. I, I mean, I made all these predictions beforehand. Looking at that, that does seem a little yeah. bit uh, optimistic, but um, I'll stick to my guns and I'm going to say two one West Ham. Okay, I'll say. Uh, one 0 West Ham. Okay. Uh, Man City Newcastle should be a good one. Uh, we saw in the FA Cup, City got the better of Newcastle, but um, you know, you know, the two have been playing quite well, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I, I, to be honest, I do still think that City will um go and take Newcastle to the cleaners. As much as it as it pains me to say, I have gone for three 0 for this one. I just don't think. I think Newcastle played really well when they've been allowed the opportunity to play the game. Um, you know, they did that against Sheffield and they did that against Bournemouth, as we said. Um, that was when they had the opportunity. We saw um the last time that Newcastle didn't have the opportunity to play. And that was against City at at, at St James's. So um, I've gone for three nil uh, City for this one. Okay, I'm going to predict it to be exactly the same as the return fixture, and I'm going to say two all. Okay. Uh, I I just I don't know whether that's that hopefulness more than anything. <laughs> so, but but that's what I'm going for. Okay. Uh, Sheffield Wolves. This will be a big one for that top six spot. Who do you see winning this? Yeah, I've I've, pre- I've do you know I've put my neck out and, and I've um, predicted uh, Wolves win um, I just think Wolves have come back in, in fantastic form um, Sheffield okay yeah most recently are starting to pick themselves back up but haven't had a great platform from coming back so I do think Wolves are in a slightly better position to take the points from Bramall Lane so 1-0 Wolves 
Yeah, I'll go for a 2-1 two, two, to Wolves. Okay. I, I think Wolves are going to win. Yeah. Uh, Brighton, Liverpool. Gone for 3-1 for this one um, to Liverpool, obviously. Um, you know, obviously. I, I, just say, I just think Brighton will probably sneak a cheap goal. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, ultimately Liverpool should shouldn't have any any problems in that game really. I'll go for the same goal difference, but a different scoreline and say two uh, 0 to Liverpool. Okay. Uh, Everton Southampton. I'll predict this first. Yep. I'll say two one Everton. Okay, I've gone for one all. I just think uh, I don't know. I think you know Everton. Well, probably they're not 100% consistent yet. You know, on paper they they can win this game, but they're just not at 100% yet. Um, and they're not they're not scoring loads and loads of goals. Obviously, one of the two goals that they scored at the um, in the uh, Leicester game was was a penalty. So, um, I've gone for I've I've gone for one all in this one. Um, and Danny Ings obviously to score for Southampton. I'm just gonna say he's gonna score for every game. Danny Ings every single game. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got Bournemouth Spurs next at the Vitality. Uh, you've said yourself earlier in the podcast that anyone could beat Bournemouth yeah. at this point. So uh, how do you see this one going? I've gone for two 0 I think um, it could easily be a lot more. Um, I just again Spurs are unpredictable. Um, I don't see them encountering any problems. It won't be a hard fought two 0 winner. I just think that it's it'll just be the way that the the cookie crumbles and that'll be. That'll just be the result. They probably could have had four or five, but for whatever reason, they only scored two. That's but you know, if you if you said it's going to be four nil, I, I I would completely understand, you know. So, uh, no, I'll probably go for a two nil as well. You know, um, mm-hmm. I just don't see Spurs scoring that many. Yeah. But um, I certainly do see them winning. Yeah. The team who I do see scoring a few uh, once again. Uh, it's Manchester United. That's against Aston Villa. Yeah. I think they'll probably put three or four past Villa in this match. Three uh, okay. 0 Okay. I've gone for I've gone for two on this one just for the just for the same reasons. I think Villa, you know, Villa just don't have the firepower up front. But actually, they they haven't conceded as many goals as I'd have expected them to since coming back. You know, they've managed to stay relatively tight at the back. Um. So yeah, I've gone for I've gone for two 0 because I think Aston Villa are going to be going for the going for the draw against a side like Man United, trying to just get points on the board. I think they they probably think a a win is far too um you know far fetched, um so that they'll probably defend. Man United will go at them, and obviously depending on what happens with we don't know. Obviously this has been pre recorded, so we don't know whether Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandez have played today. Um, in the yeah. game against Bournemouth, um, depending, nobody really knows at the moment the severity of, of what's going on there. So, um, yeah, I've said two 0 again, exactly like the Bournemouth Spurs. Man United won't encounter any problems in beating Aston Villa, but I just think it'll be the way that it goes that they, it's just a two 0 and not something more flattering. Okay. Uh, Watford Newcastle is the next one. I'll say Newcastle should win this in yeah. there current form um, but uh, yeah I, d- I don't know if it'll be too massive a scoreline I'll say 2-0 Newcastle I've said a lot of 2-0s today yeah, yeah. 
I've gone for the same goal difference, but I've gone for 3-1. Um, I don't know what on earth makes me think that Watford are going to score in that game, but I just don't yeah. know. I think they're going to have a point to prove. So. I nearly put 2-1 there, but I thought, I don't know why, I, why I'd even think about Watford scoring, actually, but yeah. there, there you go. Um, Norwich, West Ham. Uh, I've gone for 2-0 West Ham. Um, I just can't see Norwich winning many games at the moment um, and you know it'll be an opportunity for West Ham to go and play a bit more fluid and you know go and have a bit more breathing room on the pitch um, so yeah can't see him encountering any problems 2-0 hey, I'll go 1-0 West Ham okay. don't ask why I know um, <laughs> just, just what, I, what I've gone for Liverpool Burnley I'll say uh I'm gonna do it again. Two 0 Liverpool. Yeah, that's what I've gone for. Um, it's never. I don't think it's it's usually a high scoring affair. Liverpool Burnley. Um, and you know they are still a top half table side. So yeah, ha- you know I think two 0 is probably the, the happy medium really. Yeah. Um, a good match this should be now is Sheffield Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, well, how do you see this one going? I've gone for two one Chelsea for this one. Um. I don't know, I, I, you know, Sheffield just haven't done enough to, to show me that they can beat side in the top four um, in the league. So whether that might, that might change, because I think they'll, they'll have a game, well, they've got the game against um, Burnley and, and Wolves um, before then. So, you know, it's a little bit difficult to, to predict a game that's happening in, in three games' time. But based on current form, Sheffield haven't shown me enough uh, to, to warrant them beating Chelsea, I don't think so. I've gone for 2-1 Chelsea. Yeah, I think uh, if you'd asked me a while ago, I'd have said it could be um, the Sheffield win or a draw, but now I don't see it going any way other than Chelsea's. So I'll go for the same scoreline and say 2-1. Yeah. The last one is Brighton against City, uh, and I think City will put a few past them here, yeah. and I'll go with 3-1 to City. Okay. I've, uh, I've gone for the same other than Brighton scoring. I've, I've said I've said 3-0. Um, I just I just don't think, you know, I mean, we're talking about, OK, yeah, the problems that Liverpool had off the pitch, but even Liverpool couldn't put a single one past them. Um, and I think I think the defence would just be too good to to um, to stop City. Sorry, to yeah, to 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 try and uh, stop Brighton from you know, scoring, so I think it'd be three. Right. Well, that's 19 matches, I believe, uh, for the next round in our competition. Of course, it's two points for the correct result and three points for the correct scoreline. Uh, should be good, so get involved. I'm sure you can get involved later if you back yourself to pick up a lot of points. Yeah. Um, now we're going to talk about transfer rumours. First off, we're just going to quickly... Uh, discuss Sane. We were both right. It was a done deal. He has gone to Phew. Bayern Munich. For, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, a big relief. But we were so confident about that as well. Yeah. Uh, he, he has gone to Bayern for 45 million, um, probably plus add-ons around 55. Yeah. And I, I put that down as a steal. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I remember saying um, last on last weekend's podcast, you know, when we when we said that it looks like Sonny might be staying now, I said, ah, you know, it might just be sort of politics getting involved and they're trying to um get the get the price down and what have you. But it is a done deal and yeah, a complete 
a complete steal. You know, you talk about, okay, let's take add-ons out of the equation for a second, but £45 million transfer fee is one of the best £45 million I think ever spent. And um, I do believe he will light up the Bundesliga next season. I really do. Yeah, he's a fantastic player and that Bayern fans so well to get him for that price and uh, as if they needed any any more players to yeah. uh, show themselves as the German powerhouse and, yeah. and perhaps a European powerhouse now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, as you say, they don't need anybody else, but for when, when the opportunity to sign a player like that for forty five million arises, you know, it, it, it will provide healthy competition in that Bundesliga side and I really don't think, um, you know, Bayern will win the Bundesliga next season. That's pretty clear cut for me. Um, it's just whether they can, you know, now as they've got more quality, they can have good quality depth to provide a, a good force in, in Europe as well. Yeah, and, and they've got, as you say, got a lot of competition now. I don't think Koeman's going to be too happy with the with the news, but yeah. it just means he's going to have to work for his spot a bit more and uh, that eventually increases quality and therefore the quality of the team overall. Yeah, definitely. Uh, from a player into Bayern to a player potentially out, and that is Thiago to Liverpool. He's worth around £43 million and the news is that he would make a move for about uh, £45. Both, um, you know, apparently reliable sources have said that he would love to move to Liverpool. Um, there, are, there are lots of rumours that this is a done deal. Um, what do you make of this one? It's just it's just an odd signing, I do think. I mean, you know, the one thing that has got to happen if Liverpool sign yet another midfielder is that there's got to be players that leave. I mean, we know that Lallana's going. Um, not sure how where where we're at with Shakiri leaving, but I'm sure he's going to be off anyway. Um, but even like the the first team midfielders, you know, you got Ox, Genie, and Cater, um, and one of those three is going to be pushed. Well, all three of them are going to be pushed one place further down the pecking order if you if you if if they sign Thiago. So, yeah. I don't know. Again, you know, you know what I what I think about where Liverpool need to reinforce. It's not the position that Liverpool need to reinforce in. Um, I just don't know. You know, if they're gonna considering that they said that how much money was too much for Timo Werner. You know, it was about a similar price, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it was only. You know, they're saying that there's too much money in the in the Werner deal, and then they're going and spending near the same amount on a midfielder. It just, yeah. you know, regardless of how many rumours say that's a done deal for me, that just seems unlikely because that rings to me. I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not a manager like Jurgen Klopp, but that just that's just bonkers to me if they go and sign Thiago for forty five million when they're a club that they you know they say they 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 don't have that much transfer power in the in this window. I just don't get it. I really don't get it. He is he is a fantastic player. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm um, a massive admirer of him, don't get me wrong. I would love to see him in a Liverpool shirt. It just seems odd that he's he's linked. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna put it in that that middle bracket between like likely and unlikely. Yeah. And um, purely because um <laughs> I'm a bit more wary now. Um about reports that say done deal since the Werner moved to Chelsea. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to put that in that, in that middle bracket. I could see it, it could happen, especially yeah. with uh, if people close to Thiago are saying, um, you know, he's he would love to go to Liverpool. It's clear now that he's going to leave Bayern. 
Yeah. It's just a matter. It's it's almost identical actually to that Werner yeah. transfer rumor. Um, it's just now yeah. I don't want to say done deal because of what happened with Werner. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Uh, Grealish to United is our next one. I think this has been one that's been thrown around a lot now. If if um, Villa do end up going down, then it makes it a lot more likely. Mm. Uh, what What do you think will happen here? It's a weird one, really, because you know they've got one of the best midfield partnerships, or well, certainly one that it's got the potential to be the best in the league next season. Um, the best midfield partnership in Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba. I just don't know where Grealish fits into it, really, because then you've got to... I mean, unless you're going to play your three central midfielders, he's obviously going to have to change the setup a little bit. But, you know, then that, that pretty much... If you don't play that and you play two centre midfielders, that pretty much discounts McTominay. And, you know, there's a couple of other players at there. I just don't know. I mean, you know, I've talked about it before that, you know, if, if, if United don't sign Sancho, it makes Grealish much more likely because um you know Grealish has been a player that's been linked with him for like ages like to be honest since Aston Villa came up you know since Aston Villa came up we've been saying Grealish if he plays like we expect him to he will not be an Aston Villa player a season later who will sign him United were were the favourites but you know nobody else um was even thrown into that debate discussion I just don't know it 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 could go either way for me that one, but I will probably put it in likely, just the lower end of likely. Um, but yeah, I'd be very interested to see if if United do sign Grealish, where he fits into that into that setup. That'll be the interesting thing to see. Yeah, that's the main question. They've got McTominay who's playing well. They've got Fred who's finally uh, come into his own at United, and then of course the potential best midfield partnership in the league. Mm. So. Where does Grealish fit in? You don't know, but um, it's United and they're struggling and they want to make signings. Yeah. And the, so it, it could happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's the price though as well. You know, like if they're going to sign Grealish, what they're going to sign him for? Is it going to be 40, 50 million that you'd anticipate it to be some, something like yeah, that? Yeah, it'd be around 50. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna play him. They're going to have to play him as, you know, play that he's not necessarily on the first on the team sheet every game, but you're not going to spend 50 million on someone to sit on the bench, you know, and it, again, it's like what we talked about Liverpool, United don't need to straight, it's probably the one place in their team, they've probably only got one area of that squad that is perfect, and I'd say it's the midfield, I think, that, you know, up front, they, you know, whether you're going to put your trust in Martial for another season, at the back, they're really shaky, at the key, you know, the, the keeper, is is really shaky as well. I'd be spending my money on anything but midfielders if I was Solskjaer. Um, yeah. It just depends how much they, they think they need Grealish. Yeah, I, I'll put it in the lower end of likely because I don't think they need him, but uh, I can see it can see it happening, especially yeah. as it's been linked yeah. for so long. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I did want to talk about Griezmann to United, um, but I actually don't. I think it's gibberish. I think we can just put that as gibberish yeah. straight up, to be honest. He's only just made a move to Barca. So he cost them around £100 million and they've said that's too much for Sancho. Yeah. So why would they then go out and spend that on Griezmann? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's gibberish. What I'm going to talk about instead um, is Messi. Yeah. And you now he said, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't have it in my plan. I just, just thought of it there. Um, it's he said that he's going to leave Barca if um, 
the if the board stays exactly the same yeah. at the club, yeah. um, and you can see the executive staying the same. So uh, I, I don't think they'd have any problem with him leaving either. Uh, he's been such a servant to the club. It's just a matter of where he goes now. Um, bookies label him as nine to four to go to City, four to one to go to Juventus. Yeah. yeah. Now. Either, seeing him in either of those teams would be something special. Seeing him in the Premier League would be massive. Yeah. But I prefer to see him playing alongside Ronaldo. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, I mean, I'm I'm gonna stick my neck out here. Messi will not will never play in a Manchester City shirt. It's just it. I mean, for that for that for Messi to be the favourite to go and play at City to me is complete and utter gibberish. It ju- yeah. It's just not going to happen. There's absolutely no way that is going to happen. Um, I presume that Messi's under contract and that it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a a, f- a free move. You know that somebody would have to go and buy him, would they? Yeah, I don't think he'd be much though because there's a clause in his contract that says he can leave whenever he wants. Right. So if he wanted to leave, the club wouldn't be able to demand a lot for him. If you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. I just. I mean, do you know? It was saying that um, if Messi leaves the club, I mean, what we have seen with Messi and Ronaldo is that they have they're more than just players for their team. They have a lot of um, they have a lot of power, and you know the the Barca board might be shook into a decision um, to keep Messi. You never know because Barcelona are not uh, you know a, a not a title challenging team without Messi. I don't think. I think he is the missing link and. You know, yeah. he, he does he does bind that entire thing to yeah, I mean Real Madrid must be rubbing their hands together if 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 he's considering moving, you know. Um yeah. I could actually see him play at Juventus. I know it sounds stupid to think the two best players in the world are gonna play alongside each other, but I just really can't see him going to City. I can't see him going anywhere else. So if Juventus is sort of stood there looking around thinking, hmm, where's our opposition to try and sign Messi? I, I don't think that there will be any, and if you know if there is, I don't think it'll be that valid um, opposition. Apart from whether you know maybe PSG are going to stick a load of money at, throw a load of money at him if Mbappe leaves. But I would I, not be happy to see Messi go to PSG. No, definitely not. Definitely. I would not like that at all. No, but I can I can see I can see him going to Juventus, albeit still I'm still going to put it as unlikely. Just because I can't, I can't picture Messi leaving Barcelona. You yeah. know, we, we talk about Ronaldo moving to Juventus, and that was a massive deal. But you know, he he's played for he played for Sporting, Man United, and then Real Madrid, and then Juventus. He still moves around. You know, Bar- Messi's played for Barca all of his life. I just can't see him playing in another shirt. Um, but if he says he's going to leave, if the execs say the same, then the execs say the same. He's obviously going. And if you're going to ask me. Which is the club that I I see him playing for? It's Juventus. Yeah, I think uh, City. The only draw of City really is uh, probably Aguero. Yeah. That they're, they're friends, aren't they? The two of them. Yeah. Um. But then Aguero's uh, God. Another one we'll have to talk about at some point is Aguero linked to be moving to Inter Milan. Yeah. Well, uh, so I'm not I'm not sure that uh, that will happen. Um. And also if if City's European band that's, stands. That's just what I was going to say. Yeah, he's not going to go if that if that happens, is he? Yeah, if uh, if that stands, he's only got a year left playing. Is he going to spend his last year not being able to play European football? Definitely. Um, I, I don't think so. So, do I see him leaving Barca? Actually, I don't. 
But if he is going to leave, I'm the same as you. I think the club he'll go to is Juventus, and that it would just be fantastic to see, uh, you know, Messi, Messi and Ronaldo. You said the two best players right now, yeah. possibly two best players of all time, yeah. playing on the same team at the same time. Yeah. You know, we're we're lucky enough that they've been both around at the same time, but. But uh, if that happens, it, it truly will be something special. Yeah, Maurizio Sarri must be rubbing his hands together if he gets them both yeah. of his team. His, his job's <laughs> done, isn't it? You know, he can, he can, he can just, just get the deck chair out and says, "There, yeah, he, there he, he, would, he, would, he would just need to say to his team, "All right, go play, uh, and if you can, pass it to either yeah. of those two. Yeah, listen to them too. Do what they're <laughs> yeah. telling. But yeah. do you know what the funniest thing would be is that if if um, if Juventus sign Messi. And they've got Ronaldo, and they still don't win the Champions League. That'd be that'd just be the icing on the cake. It'd be so fun. Yeah, if they still that would win. be. Um, yeah, it it would be like they're doomed to never win it, never win it again. Isn't the, it? the interesting thing I would say about that though, and you know, this isn't to rain on the parade or anything, but those two players have been the stars. You know, the standout stars, the one man team players even though they've they've been surrounded by fantastic players during all of their careers they're not one-man teams but they they add so much more to the teams that they've played for than anybody else yeah when they play in the same team it you know on paper that's superior yeah that's the only word i can use for it but it's whether it's what the what the personality thing will do because you know they used to be being the two single personalities in their clubs you know, but now when they when they play alongside each other, the, there's there's a possibility, albeit very slim, that you know that the, the relationship might not work that well. But that's just me playing devil's advocate. It's, it's something that don't get me wrong. I'd love to see it happen. I really want to see it happen, and I'm sure yeah. it, it will be fantastic. But no, I'm I'm glad you've said that because I did think to myself when I heard the heard the news. I thought if these two have played on the same team throughout their career. We wouldn't talk about them as being. Um, I don't think we talk about them as being in the same bracket as Pele or Maradona. No, yeah, I agree. Uh, if they played on the same team, um, but then um, they've they've had that experience now. They've played against each other and been the stars. They're playing on the same team now. They're not going to score thirty goals a season each because mm. that's <laughs> um, just it. It just could, can't happen. Two players mm. can't score thirty goals both individually on the same team. No, um, unless but, that's something that we're going to see next season, maybe. <laughs> unless that's something we're going to see, yeah, but I, I highly doubt yeah, it. Yeah, no, um, I do, yeah. But, but we'll see, it'll certainly be something amazing to see if it happens, but is Messi going to leave Barca? I don't think so. I've got it. I've got it as unlikely. It's just depend. Yeah. It just depends how much um, yeah. the Barca exec dig the heels in. I think. Yeah, not going to put it in gibberish because we don't want to say it's gibberish. No, definitely not. Just, just uh, hold out some hope. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening today. We'll be back with our Wednesday one to eleven, and then Ben will be hosting next Saturday. Uh, where I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about and some more interesting transfer rumours, some of them we've actually just brought up. Uh, But until then, thanks again and goodbye.